Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears. A proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one one chapter chapter at a time. This episode of The Read Along is brought to you by Unit B Coworking. Unit B is a multi-company co-working space focused on helping people pursue their passions and making Edmonton its creative best. Once normal working conditions resume, you're invited to join a tight-knit group of freelancers, startups, and established organizations, all dedicated to getting things done. Unit B Coworking is located in the historic McKinney Building on 104th Street, close to everything downtown. For more information, visit unitb.ca. Week XX of quarantine. Week eight million. Uh, it does feel like it's been a long time. The uh, the weird thing, and this is something I've mentioned to a couple people, but I don't know that I've mentioned on the podcast, is time is simultaneously running too fast and too slow right now. Yes, actually, uh, someone someone put out uh, a very good tweet about it that I saw that showed up in my timeline. It was that March took forever, and April or sorry, March took eight years, and April took three days. Uh, but also eight years. Yes. Because uh, weirdly, the month seems to have dragged, but the weeks have been flying by. It's it's a very strange... We're in a weird time warp phenomenon. Yeah, it's things are very timey-wimey right now. So my guess is May will be pi days long. <laughs> Maybe it's a Fibonacci number. I don't know. It's It's a weird one. Time means nothing right now. It's true. One thing that we know for sure, at least in our novel, is that probably time travel is not involved. Probably. Last chapter, our protagonist, <laughs> Beth, uh, took a trip back to the area near Whittier Lane to uh, completely reasonably stalk a woman and her children. Believes Reasonably is in air quotes, right? Yes. yes uh, believes good. she may have seen Flora again at the library and then went and sat in quite possibly a stranger's car until that stranger caught them and went through their stuff. And uh, no, the that... stranger didn't go through her stuff. She went through the stranger's stuff. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Just wasn't clear. English is a fun language. It's true. Uh, the point is that that resulted in a bit of a confrontation with who appeared to be Jeanette Cater. Yes. The woman who claims to be Jeanette Cater, who is probably Jeanette Cater. Which segues us into Chapter 8 of Perfect Little Children by Sophie Hanna. So our story picks back up the next day, and after her run-in with Flora and Jeanette at the library the day before, Dom is now taking Beth back to Whittier Lane, this time with a tentative invitation, to actually meet with the caters. Yes. So Dom took some initiative here. Yes. And he organized a meeting with the caters. He looked them up and, and phoned them up and organized this meeting. I want to know what that phone call sounded like. It's Hi, a... I think my wife is crazy. Can we come to your house and so I can prove to her that she's crazy? I doubt that that was the case. No, but that was the subtext. And he mentions that, at least on his part, Kevin Cater sounded very reasonable over the phone. Which um, is surprising. Considering everything. Look, if someone had phoned you up yesterday mm-hmm. and said, Hi, uh, my wife was in your car the other day we'd like to come to your house now would you not have some reservations perhaps some reservations i sure would 
Dom still thinks Beth should just drop this and that this is this has gone already well beyond too far. Yes, but if Beth drops it, we wouldn't have a novel. It's true. More importantly, he's also resigned himself to the fact that she obviously won't. And so he has, as you say, taken the initiative to help get it sorted out. He wants this over and done with very badly. He's also very upset with her. Well, yeah, because she's acting completely off her nut. Yeah. Beth is brushing off the day before's incident (laughs) like it's a perfectly normal, totally reasonable thing to have done. Yeah, she's like, I sat in a car. Beth, you sat in a stranger's car. And went through their stuff. Went through their stuff and fell asleep. Yeah. That is not okay. That is such an invasion of privacy. Yeah. Even if she meant no harm, that is still such an invasion of privacy. Yeah. It, completely disrespectful. Borderline criminal. Like, no, Beth. No. And, and Dom is rightly angry that she did it. I am on his side. They apparently fought about it the night before, and she outright misleads him into thinking she promises never to do it again. <gasps> and is real smug about it in her mind. I know. This is... This is her husband that she's lying to. She is so unlikable at this point. I'm at the juncture where I'm like, how many more chapters until she starts suspecting that Dom is in on it? Oh. Two? <laughs> maybe two chapters. Two, and she's gonna maybe start less. and she's gonna start believing that Dom is in on this conspiracy. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll see how that uh, pans <laughs> out. That's my that's my irresponsible speculation right now. They arrive at Whittier Lane pull up into the driveway and go up to the door where Kevin meets them and invites them in. Yes. Beth is immediately off-put by him. She is so overly suspicious well, of she, absolutely everything. She made up her mind about Kevin Cater before she ever met Kevin oh, Cater. well before. Yeah, so she's reading into every little thing he does, from looking at the time to the way he invites them in, and she's she just doesn't like him from jump. What she's doing is throughout the whole visit with the caters that we're about to go through Mm -hmm. she takes everything and twists it into her narrative well yeah everything every little thing it is a combination of annoying and frustrating uh well she starts snooping in their house immediately but in that like subtle way where she's not going to touch anything in case she gets caught but she's going to look extra long at stuff and try to figure things out yeah and she decides pretty much immediately that uh this house could only have been decorated by lewis braid which in her defense we find out later on is kind of the case kind of i still rolled my eyes yeah um she particularly notes the sitting room is decorated with photos of flocks of birds which is something that lewis was just fascinated by he loved flocks of birds nuts over it and beth actually goes as far as to just straight up ask kevin about the decor in the room and he points out oh actually we liked it when we moved in all this stuff was left by the previous owners when they moved to florida we just kind of kept it the way it is because we didn't we didn't want to change it yeah because we thought it was nice she does not buy that for a second no which is it's a little unusual to not want to put your own personal touch on a house. But at the same time, when we moved into the house we live in right now, mm-hmm. two of the bedrooms upstairs had some really fun paint jobs to them. That we never changed. That we never changed because we liked them. Yeah. So it's not so weird to move into a house, see something that was left behind, decide you like it, and keep it. Yeah. Oh, more importantly, it makes sense that to me at the very least, that the braids may have left some of this stuff behind. They were moving to Florida. You probably don't want to take a lot of stuff with you. And they are wealthy enough that they didn't need to. 
they could set themselves up fresh in Florida. Yeah. So leaving behind some pictures of birds, no matter how much Lewis loved birds, he can get more yeah. pictures of birds in Florida. Yeah, or even the furniture that you don't want to pay to ship overseas. Exactly. Like, it's not unreasonable to me that they may have left this stuff behind. Yeah. Is it weird to sell a home furnished over in the UK? I don't know. It's a little weird to do it here, but it happens. It does happen, yeah. Yeah, especially if the home is flipped. Yeah. In this case, it wouldn't have been. But again, these are people who are moving overseas. Probably don't want to take a lot of stuff with them. No, that's fair. Their personal effects, their clothes, but like a bunch of furniture, a bunch of home decor, yeah. leave it behind. Yeah. Like take your sentimental stuff, obviously. Yeah. Anyway. Especially when you're millionaires. <laughs> the, the point is, we can reasonably justify what's happening. Beth cannot. No. And when Kevin goes to get Jeanette, Beth basically spins on Dom and she's already decided that the caters are in on this conspiracy and are clearly trying to manipulate and belittle the two of them. And Dom has had enough and actually finally says, you sound crazy Yes, right now. You because sound like does. a crazy person. You but need to does. stop. Uh, the caters return and there is some small talk exchanged, which, uh, I mean, there's the stereotype about English people trying to not talk about the elephant in the room mm -hmm. and being very polite about it. It's very British, yeah. is that, you know, don't, if you have something important to say, for goodness sake, don't say it. But let's be fair, we're Canadians, same thing happens here. It's true. You ease into the awkward conversation, you don't just jump right in. And uh, that's definitely what happens here. Beth mostly ignores the small talk. It's pretty much Dom carrying the load there. And finally, things turn to the parking lot incident. Uh, and Jeanette actually opens with an apology for her reaction. Which blows my mind. Yeah, she's like, hey, you know, maybe I handled it a little poorly the other day. I apologize. I was obviously not expecting to see someone in my car. Asleep in my car. Uh, having gone through my stuff, but perhaps I comported myself poorly. I apologize for that. And Beth, A, waves off the apology, and notably does not think to apologize back, nor does she this entire chapter. Nope. No. In because fact, she is right, and these people are yeah. uh, imposters somehow. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, she instead launches directly into interrogating them. Of course she does. Yeah. So she asks Jeanette where she had been on Saturday, the day Beth first thought she saw Flora at the house. And Jeanette tells her that she had been out with her kids, came home around nine o'clock, which was around the time that Beth was there. Beth immediately brushes this off as well, you could have gotten the time from Flora or from Mrs. Oxley the nosy neighbor, so doesn't that doesn't answer anything. Twisting it into her narrative. Uh, Beth also asks where she's from, which Dom is a little like, eh. <laughs> You don't ask that. But Jeanette is totally cool with it. She mentions she's from Ukraine. Uh, she changed her name to Jeanette because her real name is a bit troublesome for English speakers to pronounce. Ukrainian is not an easy language for everybody. No, most Ukrainian names aren't that weird, so I'll admit that that's kind of like, eh. But, maybe. I mean, her personal choice, maybe she just wanted to change her name. Lots of people do. Yeah. Jeanette knows that Beth mistook her for Flora, both, I suspect, from their conversation in the parking lot, and because Dom likely explained the situation to Kevin. Probably. And reveals that their kids, aged five and three, are named Toby and Emma. Which is really close to Thomas and Emily. Yeah. Beth decides this is suspicious. This is clearly a ruse to make her think she misheard Thomas and Emily, two names that are just close enough. Jeanette offers to show them some pictures. Kevin and Dom both are like, I don't think that's necessary, but Beth would love to see some pictures. 
So Jeanette, I know, she replies with yes at the same time Dom replies with no. Yeah. So the pictures happen anyway. So Jeanette goes off to get some pictures. And when she returns, the photo she shows them is of two kids who are most definitely not Thomas and Emily at right. any age. At a young age, at an old age, they are any age at all. Definitely yes. two different children. Beth concedes that she has never seen those kids in her life. Dom seems relieved by this, but once again, Beth is being manipulative. Yes. Once again, she is twisting this into her narrative. This is clearly a fake. Yeah. These are not the two kids I saw on Saturday. She is, in fact, pretty convinced that the photo is a fake, as we'll learn later in the, uh, in in the, the chapter. chapter. Yeah. And asks Dom if he sees it, likely because he is a graphic designer. So she's trying to lean on him like, huh? Huh? Use right. your designer eye. What do you see wrong here? And Dom is just like, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong. wrong. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> Kevin in particular seems concerned Beth is clearly not satisfied by any of this. But he basically tells her, I would prefer not to see you in my house or my car again. And Beth threatens him. What? I know. Like, Okay, it's confirmed a little later in the chapter that she did, in fact, say it threateningly. Yeah, it, it read threateningly. When I, well, it read threateningly. When I got to that point... Uh, because it's text, right? There's no tone of voice mm -hmm. in your, except the one you put there in your head. And I was like, okay, well, that read really threateningly, but it's possible she meant it not threateningly. And no, just she meant it threateningly. awkwardly. And then later in the chapter, yeah, she threatens him. Yeah, she's like, yeah, you don't want to see me again, Beth. What are you doing? That's me just constantly talking to our protagonist. Yeah, because I think she's losing it completely. Well, later that night is when we pick things back up. And Beth is sitting awake in bed in the dark because, of course, naturally, she is lying awake in bed in the yeah. dark because she does, she... she does not sleep. Why would she sleep and get, you know, healthy uh, sleep patterns is, going? This is uh, something we touched upon last chapter. Uh, Beth does not appear to sleep and so far has not had a full rest all book. Mm -hmm. She's had a couple cat naps here and there. Yep. So she is very sleep deprived and will continue to be so. Uh, and this is when Xana finds her in the house. Uh, apparently, she has just put Ben to bed, uh, which Beth couldn't be bothered with, and Dom fell asleep watching TV. So That is some A-plus parenting, yeah. folks. Xana uh, actually pats herself on the back for her A-plus parenting. <laughs> but uh, she uh, wonders if Dom and Beth had a fight. Beth is not willing to go that far. Clearly, there was a disagreement, but uh, not necessarily something that escalated into a fight. Well... Uh, there was either an exchange of words on the drive home, or it was a stony silence on the drive home. I would guess a stony silence on the drive home. Probably. Yeah. Xana also tells Beth here that she's a little too old to go starting trouble, which is, again, that through line of time passing. Mm -hmm. And Beth is really kind of defensive about it, like, I'm not that old. And Xana's like, whatever, old woman. You don't <laughs> you don't even understand the slang I'm using right <laughs> Zana's now. all, okay, boomer. Fun fact. That struck me as well right here. Xana is also apparently obsessed with aging. Yeah, in in the way that someone who's really young is terrified of growing old. Yeah, but it uh, jumped out at me because there's been this through line of how seemingly uncomfortable on a subconscious level that Beth is with aging. That is made manifest in Xana straight up saying, oh, I'm sorry, I reacted in surprise, and I'm trying to train myself not to wrinkle my face so that it doesn't get wrinkly and old-looking. Right, and she's already using, like, like anti-aging anti creams. creams. Yeah. Uh, so that's why it just kind of, like, struck me, is because this is, we're, we're hitting the themes once again. Mm -hmm. time, time be passing. Xana has heard, either from 
Dom and Beth talking because she is a an A plus eavesdropper, or uh, heard from Dom that they were shown a photo disproving the kids that Beth saw were Thomas and Emily. Beth says this is true, but it has only made her more convinced that there is a conspiracy working against her. You have any idea how hard it is to roll your eyes and read at the same time? Uh, I, I do it so often. <laughs> This is where Xana asks after an anecdote that she's clearly heard before from her parents, because she specifically asks for this story about when Beth and Dom went to Greece with Flora and Lewis, about the story about the $2,000 changing, changing room. room. Okay, this did feel a little out of nowhere for me, because I don't recall... I don't recall it being mentioned previously in the book. No, there there'd been mentions that they had traveled together and mentions that Lewis had often stuck his foot in things because yeah. that's his personality. This is kind of a direct evolution of that, though. This is a specific story based mm -hmm. off of what we already knew. And it does serve a purpose. It it does. And I also feel like telling us this story now is going to be relevant later on. Potentially. Because well, it takes up a, a healthy chunk of this chapter. So it, this isn't nothing. Otherwise, it's just filler, and that seems... I think she's better than that, is what I'm saying. Fair enough. The bullet points are Louis, uh, Flora, Beth, and Dom all went to Greece on a foursome vacation. Yep. They uh, were staying at this beautiful little hotel on the beach side, looking directly into the Mediterranean. Yeah, like right on the sand, practically. Louis apparently couldn't abide the meat being served there at the hotel and demanded they look for a better place. So they scoured around. They found a different hotel where they were serving some better fare. Louis was... Roughly satisfied with the meal, but noted they had a pool, which their actual hotel did not have. He decided their vacation was not complete without a swimming pool, despite the fact that they were on the beach. Yep. And so he went to try to bargain with the hotel clerk, the receptionist, to find a way to be able to use the pool. And the receptionist was like, no, like... It's the, for hotel it's guests for only, It's for hotel desks sir. only. So finally, defeated, he books a 2,000-pound villa at the hotel just so they can use the pool and won't even allow the group to just switch hotels and stay at the nice villa because the principle of it is that the hotel needs to know that he has spent his good money just to use it as a change room to use their pool. If I may. Ugh. Now, part of the story mentions that Dom was needling Lewis about being angry over this pool and Flora was telling him to stop, but it's a little unclear if she was telling Lewis to stop being an idiot or Dom to stop needling Lewis. Yes. And Xana asks, did Lewis ever hit Dom? Like, did he ever hit he, Dad? Is he the kind to hit somebody? And Beth is like, no, no, it, it, nothing ever grew physical. Xana also asks, like, why they were friends with Lewis. And Beth is like, well, Lewis was already with Flora when I became friends with Flora back in university when we met at the rowing club. Apparently they were in the rowing club together. Mm. Um, so he just kind of came as a package with her and was accepted into our circle of friends the way that Dom was with me and was accepted into the circle of friends. It just, that's, yeah, that's how I might not have made friends with Lewis independently of Flora, but he was with Flora. Yeah. Sort of like how some of my friends are now your friends by virtue of you being my husband. This is the point before Xana gets to her big aha. Yes. Um, where Beth reveals what her issue with the photo was. Like, we had already touched on the fact that she thought it was fake. Here she spells out, like, yes. it, it looks like it was a stock photo. It looks like the caters have stock photo children. Like, they found a picture of two kids on the internet, printed yes. it out, put it in a frame really quickly. Yeah. Just to present us with, quote-unquote, evidence. 
that, yes, they have two children and these are them. Just because it was poorly framed in a house that otherwise appeared to be picture perfect, which, again, might be because it was furnished by someone else. Yeah. But that's basically convinced her that this is all fake. There is no, despite the fact that it is impossible for there to be younger versions of Thomas and Emily, she is convinced that these other two children don't exist. Yeah, again, twisting everything into her narrative and simply discarding information in front of her, which disproves what she believes. Oh, yeah, it's confirmation bias. Yeah, absolutely. She's she's picking and choosing the facts that fit her narrative and dismissing anything that does not agree with mm -hmm. what she already has decided is the case. But again, this is a novel, <laughs> and I can't entirely discount that she might be right. I'm waiting for that twist. Which might happen. Maybe. Certainly, Xana has her own theory. Ah, yes. She has unraveled her own version of the conspiracy. <laughs> I've stumbled onto a major company conspiracy, Mac. How about that for stress? What the hell are you talking about? This company is being bled like a stuck pig, Mac, and I got a paper trail to prove it. Check this out. Take a look at this. So, Xana proposes that Flora left Lewis because he was abusive. And this is why she was asking about the Greece trip, because she knew that Lewis had flown into a rage over this pool, and she was curious if this had resulted in any sort of violence, because that would justify her theory that maybe Lewis is a violent person, and he struck Flora at some point. And Flora decided, you know what? We done. I'm out. She proposes that Lewis agreed to this separation, uh, and allowed her to keep the old Whitty Lane house in exchange for keeping things quiet. And then eventually married Kevin, whom she knew from work, because we already had previously established there was a work relationship between Kevin and Lewis. Right. He moved in because they wanted to keep the nice house. That's where things are at. Beth at first is a little skeptical because it doesn't explain the Ukrainian woman. But Xana just counters that, well, rich people often have foreign nannies and the like. She could work for them. And just be posing as Jeanette. And this gives Beth her aha moment. Jinkies! Her, yes. Her eureka moment. Her aha moment. It's certainly another suspicious coincidence. Yes. But it feels like she's just grabbing at things to fill in blanks. Beth remembers that when she and Flora first became friends, they were talking about uh, their educations prior yes. to coming to university. And they discovered, fun fact, they both had similar French classes, in mm -hmm. which the French teacher had asked them all to pick French names for when they were practicing their French. Yes. And wouldn't you know it, Flora's French name was Jeanette. Jeanette. Yeah. I know. It's another one of those weird coincidences. Indeed. So I do have I do have, I do have a fault with Xana's theory. Oh, you only have a fault with Xana's well, theory. Well, it's the really big one. Okay. So let's give them the benefit of the doubt and yes. say that Xana's theory is is true. Okay. That means that Flora is hiding from Beth. For no discernible reason. Yeah, why? Under Xana's theory, it's only just to keep quiet that they have separated. But if they were keeping quiet that they had separated, why remarry? Well, and if they're keeping quiet that they had separated, why would Lewis get Flora to phone Beth? Well, because they're trying to keep quiet that they were separated. So they're trying to maintain the illusion that they're still together. Okay, but still, why hide that from Beth? Because they don't want Beth to know. Why not? Because they're trying to keep it quiet from everyone. Why? Because they don't... Because <laughs> Lewis wants to maintain his reputation. 
I'm just saying, it seems awfully elaborate in unnecessarily so. Okay. I'm going to throw at you some other uh, problems with this theory. Oh, I'm sure there are plenty. Um, if they separated, why would Flora keep all of Lewis's old stuff around the house, like his photos of birds? Why would she keep stuff that he likes that she probably doesn't around as a reminder of the man who abused her? Right? Exactly. Yeah. If they separated and Flora remarried Kevin, why would she name their two new kids after the old ones she had with Lewis? Well, she didn't. She named them Toby and Emma. Well, assuming that she heard Thomas and Emily, and Beth is absolutely convinced that she did. That's true. Then, because remember, we're, we're operating under, under Beth logic here. And Beth logic is she saw Flora. She saw younger versions of Thomas and Emily. Nothing in the world can disprove that for her. So, assuming that's true, the only path based on Xana's theory that leads there is that she had two new children with Kevin who look remarkably similar to Thomas and Emily when they were young and also named them Thomas and Emily. Yeah, that seems very unlikely. Which also seems very unlikely. And, as you pointed out, why go through all of these lengths to cover for Lewis, a man she left for striking her, by gaslighting Beth? Right? It just, there's a discon there's a great big disconnect there. Yeah, none of that makes sense. There's no. There's way too many holes in Xana's theory for it to be legit. Yes. But, on the other hand, there are too many coincidences for it to entirely be coincidence. But on the other hand, as we pointed out in a on previous the other, chapter, other hand. on the third hand, uh, as we pointed out in a previous chapter, sometimes coincidences are just coincidences. It's true. We as a species, our greatest strength is that we can see patterns in stuff. And that is what allows us to form rational thought. The problem is when that goes terribly wrong, we can see patterns in things that aren't connected. And that's where conspiracy theories are born. Yeah. So, either Beth is actually being gaslighted by her friend, and we don't know why, there's still something weird afoot that doesn't explain, if Beth saw what she saw, there's still no explanation for it. And there's more than that, there's still no explanation for how there could be old and young versions of Thomas and Emily. Yeah, exactly. There's no explanation for <laughs> For the impossible Thomas and the real Thomas, that Beth doesn't believe in, but everyone else or, does. Or, once again, we're just following Beth's descent into madness. Mm hmm From... From her point of view, we're watching the world unravel through her eyes. That certainly seems to be the case. And maybe if she had a good night's sleep at some point, it would help give her some perspective. Maybe. But... Or if she could just learn to let it go. Yeah. That's probably but not But she's not, happen. because then we wouldn't have a book. Well, and also, yeah, there's that. And there's still a great deal of book left to go, including Chapter 9, which you will want to read up on in time for next week. And uh, in the meantime, there are a lot of other podcasts. Not just here, yeah, not just here on the Alberta Podcast Network, also affiliated with the Alberta Podcast Network. Yes. Including a new one, which uh, just recently launched here in Edmonton, uh, which Anita is going to tell you about right now. I have a promotary. This episode of The Read Along is brought to you by The Loop, a new podcast from CBC Edmonton. Host Tara McCarthy of Edmonton AM takes you behind the scenes every week, sharing the details that don't make it into a typical radio or TV story. There's always more to the story and more to learn about our city. That's what The Loop is for. We'll talk a little bit about everything. Politics, we'll throw some arts in there, community, of course. It's about all things Edmonton. Because there's always more to tell. There's always more to the story. Find The Loop on the CBC Listen app or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find it online at cbc.ca slash Edmonton. The Loop. Worth giving a look? Oh, if yeah. If you're looking for some new newsy topical 
podcast, especially if you're looking for a local one to Edmonton. Yeah. If you're not so local to Edmonton, uh, there is still plenty to listen to on oh. the Alberta Podcast Network. Goodness, yes. Uh, with a variety of topics, all of which are not necessarily just hyper-local. So. Oh, no. It's my understanding, and I haven't checked in a while, I admit, uh, that there's actually a very small number that are hyper-local. Yeah. That are like sp- very Edmonton-centric. Everything else is sort of generic podcast-y. So if you're looking for a podcast that is not hyper-local... <laughs> what I'm trying to say is most of the other podcasts on the Alberta Podcast Network, uh, it doesn't matter where you live. Yeah. They're... they're they're broad Topical, topic. Yeah, they're broad topic podcasts. Yeah. Find find something you want to hear people talk about. You know what? I haven't plugged it in a while, so I will uh, plug it right now. Uh, if you like hearing me talk about books, you might like hearing me talk about movies. Uh, I bring the same kind of insightful look into narrative structure and characters that I hopefully bring to the read-along. Uh, to uh, I have some notes where I'm joined by co-hosts Greg Beaver and Liam Kreswick. And uh, we take a mediocre movie and we try to figure out what went wrong and make it a little better. <laughs> you spend a little bit of time complaining about how bad it is, and then you go about fixing it. Or trying to, at the very least. <laughs> I really like it, but yeah. I'm biased. And uh, have also been on it on a couple episodes. So That's why I'm biased. That's right. Uh, so you might want to check that out, or any of the other podcasts on the Alberta Podcast Network, or really any podcast anywhere. Just support podcasts. It's yeah. a, it's a fun, great medium. We're happy to be part of it, and you should go and celebrate it's, some. It's modern talk radio, and I think it's great. Indeed. Um, you can download all the Alberta Podcast Network podcasts on albertapodcastnetwork.com. I've said that a lot. Uh, <laughs> I've said Alberta Podcast Network a lot, and I've just said it one more time. Uh, they're also all available on the CKUA app. Uh, where they are all generously hosted. You can find us on social media. Yes. Uh, your standard collection, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Goodreads is our special niche one. Yeah, if you'd like to send us a lengthier email, perhaps complaining about this <laughs> rambling... This is very long end slate. Long ending, the certainly the most scatterbrained one we've ever done, possibly because of our lack of sleep. Uh, you can do so... At our email address, we are the readalong at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we'll see you next time. <laughs> Less gaslighting, more solving? More gas solving? More gas solving. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. Goodreads.com.